Good evening. Welcome, Michael. You made it here, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, it's one of those winter days at Audaria. <laughs> a little wet and a little loud, especially in the yurt. <laughs> So we're continuing our discussion of Srimad Bhagavatam, fifth canto, or first canto, excuse me, fifth chapter, Narada's instructions on Srimad Bhagavatam. Here in this chapter, as we've heard, Narada has instructed Vyasa in such a way that um, his instructions give rise to the to the Samadhi Basha of Yas, which is Srimad Bhagavatam, the language of his of Vyasa's Samadhi, his spiritual trance. <clears throat> and we heard about the, something about the nature of that type of Samadhi. And um, and uh, we've heard a very strong voice on the part of Nard uh, that uh, might even appear sectarian. He's critiquing other paths, gown and and karma, really. But um, when we come full circle, we see that we've talked about this. That the idea is that without bhakti, these two paths, gown and karma, which in an unsystematic way are the two tracks that our life materially speaking, runs on. We run after things that would be karma or boga to enjoy, to collect, to acquire. And tag, uh, we run away from things that we've acquired that often turn into something other than what we, what they were, what they appear to be at first when we went after them. So our material life is moving in such a way uh, as to acquire and and to uh, renounce. And then there are systematic paths given in the sacred text of the Hindus for acquiring, hmm? all the way up to acquiring a post in heaven, for example, which is said to be a uh, a, uh, a long life of, of material happiness. And, um, and the path of Gyan, that corollary is, is renunciation, Inasmuch as uh, pursuit of things, a knowledgeable person in pursuit of enduring life understands or knows is not a good, not a wise pursuit. Things that that is that don't endure. So the path of knowledge is the path of, in a sense, renunciation in pursuit of being rather than acquiring. But um, these being systematic paths that address the two tracks, as I like to say, that in an unsystematic way our material life runs on, they don't, um, in and of themselves, the idea of the Bhagavad is they don't take us very far beyond the very life, uh, material life, that um, we're trying to embellish by, by acquisition and we're trying to get away from by renunciation the path of dedication rather than acquisition or 
might be better described as exploitation, the path of renunciation, and then we have the path of dedication. So truly a middle, middle, middle ground hmm? that the idea is gives meaning to acquiring and gives meaning to giving up. Hmm? In the context of devotion, we have an otherworldly life. In the context of karma and gyan, we, we have a worldly life, a life fo- focused on exploiting the world or getting away from the world. The world is the center in a sense, in either case. And bhakti, then, is otherworldly in its focus. It's focused on on Bhagwan, hmm? And wonderfully, at the same time, uh, by that focus on Bhagawan and in, in bhakti and devotion and in love, then um, we find a way to live in the world as well. Hmm? And... Um, then those two tendencies of acquiring and renouncing, they have their place within bhakti. We love Krishna, and in the context of loving Krishna, we find some things are not pleasing to Krishna. So we we give them up. We're not really giving anything up. We're really loving Krishna. But it has that side to it. Hmm? If I love you and there are things that that won't please you, and I'm not interested in those. And conversely, if uh, there's also some uh, acquiring or embracing of things in, in, in the world, a bhakti, if things can be used for the service of Bhagawan, there's no reason to uh, to give them up. So these two tendencies are harmonized. And, and, I should say further, if one is treading systematically the path of karma or jnana, hmm, and what I mean by that is with some, let us say, some, uh, well, in this context, as it's outlined in the sacred te- text where there's a map and the whole process methodology is given and so forth. So uh, if we are pursuing them, acquiring in a systematic way or renouncing in a systematic way, the ideals of both of these will be enhanced if not made possible only by the ingress of or the addition of some form of bhakti Hmm? leaving the world the jnani the the renunciate um, requires a little help from the other side is the idea if it's largely effort-based with a little help from the other side, then you'll get a particular kind of result on the other side. If it's based largely on help from the other side and and kind of acknowledgement that there's not much we can do from this side, um, but we make our best effort nonetheless, then we get a different result on the other side. So... Again, I've often said it's one thing to love to exist, another thing to exist to love. So all these things have been discussed to some extent, one extent or another. Just a quick uh, overview before we come to tonight's uh, verses. And again, Vyas is in the midst of uh, reprimanding, or Narada is in the midst of reprimanding Vyas for advocating in the way that he did 
the path of, uh, the, of acquisition and also the path of gyan, but he's mostly focused on the path of acquisition here. Uh, he's saying, you know, you, you did a disservice to the people hmm? uh, without coming out and emphasizing bhakti by which the path of acquisition can be understood in context and some merit to it can be found also. In of itself, he said it has no merit. And he's speaking from a transcendental perspective. It has no merit. So here, a couple of verses tonight, Yadanarda says, Tasyaivahetu prayatetu kovido nalabhiteyad brahmatam upariyadha talabhite dukavadam nitasukam Kalena Sarvatra Gavira Ranghasa Navajano Jatu Katanchanabrajan Mukunda Sevyan Yavad Angasang Sritim Smaran Mukundhangri Upakuhanam Punar Bihatum Itchen Narasad Graho Jana. So in the first verse he uh, he says that Tasyai Bahito. Prayateta Kovido. Kovido means a learned person. And as we've heard here, um, he criticized Vyas for writing books for the common people in which he kind of held a carrot of material acquisition in an effort to kind of indirectly bring people in on the pretext of one thing to acquaint them with something else and for, 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 for a carrot for material acquisition, to bring them in, let's say the Mahabharata, for example, which is all about dharma, duty, about, uh, about it's very worldly in many respects. Um, and uh, in the context of that, there, there's the Bhagavad Gita. So, uh, Nari wasn't so happy with that. <laughs> With that, you invite people, you entice them with stories of romance and material prospect and so forth, and then artfully you did it, of course. You stuck the Gita in there right at the height of the, ba- of the whole story. Everyone's on the edge of their seat. The battle's about to happen now, and here's this uh, wisdom. But um, he wasn't satisfied with that. He wants more. Of course, he wants the sequel to the Gita, which is a book unto itself, that uh, exceeds the Gita in in uh, in, in volume, and um, in 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 plays out the depth of the ideas that are uh, touched on there, so that in, in in no uncertain terms, people can really understand the Gita for that matter that much better. Um, if we go, for example. Part of the Bhagavatam we find in the 11th Canto is the uh, Uddhava Gita. So it's very much a uh, re-speaking, if you will, of the Bhagavad Gita. There Krishna is speaking to, in the Gita to Arjuna, Chatriya. So there's a certain context given his audience. And Uddhava is a Brahmana, so he speaks the same wisdom to a different audience, slightly different uh, context. But there's so much parallel there, and it's hard to read the Uddhava Gita um, and come up with a uh, less than a theistic understanding. 
an understanding of the of the book in which Gyan would take precedence over Bhakti, and Bhakti was only a means to Gyan and so forth. Difficult to do that. It's really difficult to do that with the Gita also, I think. But some people have tried hard, and they've been artful with their propaganda, I guess. Uh, so it, it, uh, it, it's more perhaps the common thought. I'm regularly, um, regularly speaking in Portland a couple few times a year. They are two yoga students and yoga teachers, and um, and they they write me and tell me you know it's really interesting the way you present this because nobody talks about it like this and it's all just you know one and bhakti's a means to gyan and and so on and so forth so um, so again the, the Bhagavatam Nard wants to say this is going to like put people over the top if we can get it out there and they can understand all of the sacred texts in context this should be the hub around which all the texts revolve and under, are understood in relation to. What they're really saying will be understood if we check in with the Bhagavatam. This is kind of the idea. So um, so he, he chastised Vyasa, and, and there he said, you know, you're writing for the common people. And so here he used the word kovida. The verse that followed his really uh, outspoken chastisement was one in which as you may re- recall, he said there are other people who are not just the common uh, people, but thoughtful people, hmm? the uncommon people, thoughtful people, they should be catered to. They, you should give something to them, and the common people will tend to follow them. Yadyad achirati shestas In Gita, Krishna says, Whatever a great person does, other people follow. This, as I said the other day, was Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's own standard. He very much emphasized that teaching should be done by example. His conversions were by example, far more than by precept. And, and he spoke very little. So if you have a lot to say, you don't have, if, if, if you embody a lot, you don't have to say much. If you don't have much realization, you have to talk a lot. So, <laughs> so uh, 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 the realization behind the words, then, that has some force, some power. We studied Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's life. Very small, short arguments and the way he converted ma- major people, players in the field of India's religious and philosophical and pious uh, um, uh, life. Big people, the, the, the Prakashananda, the uh, Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya, um, Keshav Kashmiri, and so on and so forth. Um, his followers, of course, have wrote ex- ex- extensively, but he emphasized this point. And, of course, he said, well, I should write anything on Vedanta Sutra, which was the standard for establishing a lineage uh, at the time when, he said, the Bhagavatam is the natural commentary in the sutras, so... But besides that, he had an, uh, he said an example. He is Krishna. The idea is in his acharya lila. So achar means behavior. So it's a lila where he sets the example of a devotee. Hmm? And so, if we can get a few people hmm, who are thoughtful um, to embrace bhakti, understand it, then. Uh, there's a likelihood that by their example, the uh, more common people will be attracted 
more readily than by trying to in, in, instruct them hmm? when they don't have much of an perhaps of an ear for it even. Hmm? It's kind of like, well, you have this idea of, well, as the political debates now and so forth, so you have the non-interventionist, Ron Paul, who says, you know, you don't, don't go there and attack in the Middle East, although that incites terrorism, and, and so he stops there, and he doesn't go this far, but set a good example, you know, of, of, a, of a happy uh, country that uh, shares their bounty naturally and uh, then other other people will be uh, want to come up to speed and follow and that's something like that so at any rate here the word kobida is used and again he says learned people and so he's saying learned people this is this is their conclusion yad Brahmatam upari adha. Upari adha. This is the common thing. Upari adha. Up and down. Up and down. That is our life. Up and down. We 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 seek to enjoy and acquire. And upon acquiring uh, that which we acquire doesn't satisfy us, and so we reject it. So up and down. Something like that. Bogan tiag. And on a larger scale than. You can go up to heaven, as it said, and again come down and enjoy, but again coming down, up and down, up and down. So, upari adhat. Learned people are not interested in this up and down. They're interested in some something steady. To have firm ground to stand on. Material life is this, where the it's like musical chairs and, you know, you're out. Move fast, and then there's one, one less chair each time. There's no firm ground to stand on. The ground is the self. Hmm? And as much as the self is in pursuit of things, then it's uh, it's going to be. Um, uh, you won't have any firm ground to stand on because the things are here and today, and they say, as they say, gone tomorrow. So. He says, this is a very simple verse, but it's, it's a profound point. He says, learned people, they're not pursuing this up and down business. Hmm? Uh, common people, basically, they want happiness and they want to avoid distress. In a sense, the material life is boiled down to this. Pursuit of happiness and avoidance of distress. So here Vyas says, look, Learned people should not be interested in pursuing happiness and avoiding distress because he says that these things come anyway. Nobody pursues distress, but it comes. He says, so happiness also comes. Hmm? We have some allotment, you know, we've sown some seeds, there are fruits that we are reaping in the form of happiness and distress. Yes, you could tweak it. Yes, you could alter it to some extent and so forth. But even without doing anything, you're going to get a certain amount of happiness, a certain amount of distress. Why not try for something different altogether? 
This is the idea of the verse. He says, learned persons, who, 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 he's really defining a wise person in a sense. Wise person is not the person who is just pursuing happiness and avoiding distress. It's the person who is seeking uh, how to say it. Well, he says it here that he says it in an in 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 uh, indirectly says, seeking that which cannot be acquired, no matter how much happiness you acquire materially. Hmm? If you go to the Brahmaloka, in other words, no matter how high you go materially, no matter how big you become, no matter how much you acquire, hmm? we should pursue that which cannot be acquired even going there. To go beyond this pursuit of happiness and distress in relation to things. He said, this is the learned person. Hmm? Not the common person. And then, a little more complex verse, he says, my dear Vyas, Navayajano Jatu Katanchanabrajan Mukunda Sevi Anyabadanga Sang Sritim. Material life, Anga Sang Sritim, which is full of uh, ups and downs. He says, Anyabad Anga Sang Sritim. There are others. And they are absorbed in material life, in this up and down roller coaster. There are others. And then uh, there are Mukundasavis. Mukundasavis. That means uh, devotees. Those who do service to Mukunda, named for Krishna. Those who do service to Krishna, he says, as opposed to those who are absorbed in material life, he's a strong language. Navai jano jatu katanchanabrajin. They never fall down. They never go up and then fall down again. Hmm? That's what he's saying here. They never fall down. They go to a place from which there is no return. That is their position. He's comparing it to the karma mark, where you go and return. You go and return. You go to heaven, you return. You go to heaven. This is the land of no return. And he uses a nice word here when he refers to the devotees. I mentioned it, Mukunda Sevi. Those who are the servants of Mukunda. So very indirectly, by use of this word, he's also speaking about Gyan. Mukunda, the name for Krishna. Mu means Mukti. Ku means not good, hmm? bad. Hmm? And da dadati means uh, to give. Hmm? So uh, it means uh, Krishna is one who gives something that is is opposed to mukti, is beyond mukti. The pursuit of the devotee is not mukti, it's praying. And the pursuit of mukti will get in the way of the pursuit of praying. He gives praying, which, which, which means, which makes mukti look bad. 
He who gives that which makes mukti look small. What does Sri Rupa say? Moksha laghutakrit. It means it makes small of mukti, this brain. Hmm? So, those who are desirous of mukti as an end unto itself, the Gyanmarg, again here, he's saying, they also fall down. It means from the position of Jivan Mukta, who's liberated in this life and is watching the Parabdha Karma play itself out without plugging into it, like a fan whose plug is pulled and is still going around. Those persons, they fall from that position as far as they've gone if they have no regard for bhakti. It is mentioned in Bhagavatam. What is it said? He said, it's said in the Padma Purana, another place, a Jivan Mukta Jnani, if he sees the Rathiyatra and doesn't follow along, will fall from his position. Hmm? Verse I cited is the difference that those who, who achieve the position of Jivan Mukti but have no regard for bhakti, they cannot get go from Jivan Mukti to Videha Mukti to enter their ideal, to enter into Brahman. So, those desirous of Mukti and have no that have no regard for Bhakti, which means to have no regard for Bhagwan, really, even though sometimes there's much language that sounds like there's regard for, for Bhagwan amongst uh, that sector, it's something like uh, oh, half truth is worse than worse than no truth at all, something like that. So, um, so now it says their position, karmis and ganis, independent of bhakti, their position is one from which one will return. But very strongly, he says, though devotees take a path from which there is no return. Not Navais, most certainly, Jano Jatu Katanchan Abrajin, with surety. Then, but, but then he goes on to say something else, he says, Smaran Mukundhangri Upaguhanam, Upaguhanam Punar Bihatum Itchena Rasak Grohojana. So here it says that they remember the feet, lotus feet of Mukunda. And again, they, 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 they desire to be embraced by the feet, it says. To be embraced by him. So, it means that what? That sometimes it appears that devotees, they do fall down. They give up their practice. So how can you say that they that they don't fall? You can say, well, once they achieve their perfection, they don't return. But along the way, there seems to be a fair amount of ups and downs for them. Hmm? So he says here, actually, no, that's not the case. Hmm? It may appear that sometimes they do, but 
they always come back to the practice because, as we said the other day, they've attained something that is of a permanent value. It has nothing to do with um, really directly removing the covering of the soul that Gyan, for example, has to do with. It has to do with embellishing the soul itself. Bhakti, Gyan may, with the help of, by the grace of Bhakti, you can get the passport of Gyan, so you can leave the world. But that doesn't mean you have a visa. Bhakti is a visa to go to Golok, to go to Vaikuntha. That's a grant. That's a, that's a, that's that's a blessing. We have the material energy. We have the marginal energy, the jeeva soul. We have the sort of shakti, the internal energy. These are uh, distinct from one another. The influence of the srup shakti, the internal energy of Krishna, that is a blessing. That is the influence under which uh, bhakti takes place. You can you can uncover the soul, uproot the avidya, the ignorance, and you won't have bhakti. Of course, you can't fully uncover it without bhakti. So, but at any rate, so but with the, with the ingress of bhakti, you have the you have a visa, hmm? capacity to participate in Krishna's lila. So, and when does this happen? When do you get the visa? Hmm? What he's saying here is, you get the visa in the very beginning. You thought it came at the end, right? This is day one. You get the visa. Your visa has been approved, sir. They put the stamp in there, something like that. Now you have to raise money to get on the plane and so forth. You have to do a few things, but you've got the visa. Rasugraha, he says. He says, these people, these devotees of Mukunda, they keep coming back, they keep coming back. They may be distracted by worldliness at times and so forth, but they keep coming back. They keep coming back. And he said, they're humble, he says. Because he says, what? Smaran Mukundhangri Upaguhanam. Punar, bihatum ichchen. They they desire hmm, to uh, be embraced by the feet, lotus feet of the Lord, or by by, by Bhagwan. Hmm. Um, that means they don't think that they ha- on their own they have the capacity, but but by His grace it's possible. Hmm. It's uh, it's a little bit of a uh, it's a, it's a uh, the humility of the devotee, the, the the emphasis, as I said earlier, on the idea that this is a grace that makes this possible more so than my effort. In Gyan, we'll have an, in karma, we have an effort-based approach hmm? with a little grace factored in. Hmm? In Bhakti, we have a, it's the the effort is to get grace. It's 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 <laughs> it's holy grace-oriented. Uh, so there's a there's a natural humility in this that without your grace it, it, it's not possible for me to make progress and so on. So he says here they keep coming back, they keep coming back, they keep returning. And why do they keep returning? Because they got a visa, hmm? they got a taste. Rasograha. He says, Vishnu Chakravi talks that this taste comes in the very beginning, and we all come to this. A, a disciple of mine wrote me and said. You know, I'm not getting any taste. It's hard for me to practice. And it gives me some doubts. So I said to him, Well, why are you here? 
in the first place. And if you think about it, it's because it got some taste. Somewhere, some taste. It wasn't just somebody filled you with a head full of reasoning and so forth, but one day you found, you had some some experience. This is, that Krishna is not just a theological, uh, theoretical person. We all had a taste. This is the, is the ingress of Krishna's Rupa Shakti. It says, yes, it comes in bhava. At that, uh, it means in a substantial way. But bhakti is constituted of this internal energy, the Rupa Shakti. The chanting of the holy name, for example, this is bhakti. This is Swarupsita bhakti. So, Narutta Thakur says, praise what? Golokeru premo dhan harinam sankirtan. The dhan, the wealth of prem, that is prem, the wealth of, of Golok, has been exported here hmm, through harinam sankirtan. So, we all have some taste. Experience is the ultimate pramana. I mean, I could talk to you all day long and it would sound great, but then if you went practice, you never got any experience. Experience is what drives us forward. Now, when the experience lapses, when it's it's not steady because our practice hasn't reached that point, then it can be supported with reasoning. Hmm? You can reflect back, yeah, I know it's there. Bring the reasoning to help me to practice despite the taste being lacking at this point. Hmm? So I told him, well, you're here because of the taste. So <laughs> so the fact that you don't have a taste now shouldn't give you any doubt that that uh, about the process. It should give you some doubt about the measure to which you're applying yourself and so forth. Hmm? And it takes, and so that takes some effort then, some effort to get some grace to be humble and take shelter of the holy name and uh, and, uh, and 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 really chant in, in prayerfully and so this this is an exercise of the heart. It's not that you sit and it's just a yoga technique. It's not really technique oriented. Once Prabhupada was asked about yoga, this is many many years ago. He said, "Yoga, we just." Uh, Pray, oh, my dear Krishna, please help me. That's our yoga. That's all. <laughs> so it's not very technique-oriented. And indeed, it's it's Babagrahi Janardana. And this is the whole part of the whole contrast here. The Gyan Marg is full of, te- or excuse me, the Bhakti, mar- the, the Karma Marg is full of technique. Everything has to be done exactly right. You've got to face in the right direction, have the right ingredients, right time of day, and all to do all those rituals and so forth to get the result. And if you do it wrong or you don't complete it or anything, you don't get the result or you might even get the opposite result. And bhakti, even as we heard this morning from uh, Vishwanath's Madhurikadambani, uh, it's very user-friendly. It's it's hard in that it's hard to exercise your heart. Our heart is atrophied. And um, as an acquirer or as a taker, that makes for a hard heart. Hmm? Exploiter, but gyan unto itself without bhakti also makes for a hard heart. Hmm? It can in, in, engender pride. Hmm? You know, uh, wise people, people with knowledge and so forth, they get paid better and uh, they're a little bit above the the the, the uh, average intelligence and so forth, and it can foster a kind of a pride. They have to work on that. Hmm? So. 
Both can make the heart hard. Hmm? The heart hard. Excuse me. And uh, bhakti is about making the heart soft, melting the heart. We have to use our head, as I like to say, to soften our heart. So here he says, anyway, they get some taste. This is like probably just to say, well, we take ten steps towards Krishna, one step towards Krishna, Krishna takes ten steps towards us. It's a little bit of hide-and-seek along the path. I'm over here, then we go there. Now I'm over here. The line in the sand is drawn further. Now you have to do this, you have to go, and so on. Eventually the taste becomes steady, though. This is when we become safe. Ruchi. This is Shruta Bhakti then. Na danam na janam na sundurim kubitam ba jagadisha kamaye. Mama janmane janmane shvare babatat bhakti rahoye tiki tuye. No interest in mukti. No interest in acquiring. Hmm? Only attachment to bhakti, Devi herself. This then will bring attachment to the object of bhakti. That will bring bhava. Hmm? So, after the stages of nishta, ruchi, Asakti. Bhava comes and rasa comes in the context of cultivating bhava. That's true. But some rasa comes, some in the sense of taste, some taste comes in the very beginning. That's what puts us on the path. That's what keeps us coming back. Hmm? Again and again and again. It kind of like burns, uh, you know, it's like um, flashbacks or something like that, you know. You get some burnout in the in the in the brain when you take drugs, and then sometimes it can you can be in a situation where you start hallucinating again or something like that. So it works like that. You you do bhakti, you get a sangskar for bhakti, you get absorbed at a particular time, and sometimes it may come without effort. Krishna may just take over your senses, take over your mind. You can feel Krishna's presence. You can feel yourself. And all your possibilities. I feel like you're going to be there in the next, next moment. And then it can, then it can fade. It can fade right away. It can take time and so forth. And these things, they, 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 these experiences, this deep bhakti sanskar, this, this can be bhava bhas. If we regularly hear from, from advanced uh, devotees, by hearing from them, by associating with them, their own experience, the shadow of that can come unto us. We can get some shadow of bhava. And, oh, it's ready, it will change our lives. Hmm? And it, what happens with that is it, it kind of builds like a, like I say, it, 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 like a residue. And you can find yourself in a similar experience and it can come back. Hmm? Like a flashback, something like that. A similar experience. You went to the Rathayatra, you got absorbed, and then you just think, you can even just think of that experience and it can start to come again. Hmm? So, gradually then you can enter the samadhi, come out, enter the samadhi, come out, and then you enter, as it said here. Then you don't, um, you don't come out. Or you can come out for the purpose of preaching and so forth and go back in. At, uh, at will, we find such a Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, against his will, he would go back in. <laughs> he would want to stay out, and it would, and it would take him within. And this is the difference between bhava, well, they give an example, the difference between nishta and asakti. Nishta is, is, is firm practice, asakti is attachment to Krishna. In nishta, we try to 
bring Krishna on our mind and push out other thoughts. In our sakti, then if we try to hang on to other thoughts, then we drift towards naturally towards towards Krishna. We end up going there and can't be part of the conversation, or we talk about it and people don't understand. In extreme examples, what what, we, what he's talking about. Hmm? He's, in other words, he'll say, "Oh, that's a beautiful day, isn't it?" And be having a normal conversation, and then he'll see some movement like a squirrel, and think the squirrel is moving. He's telling me something. He, what is, is Krishna sent a message to him like that? <laughs> something like that. And he just goes off. So, so anyway, here the point is, this very nice point, that um, taste is driving the whole thing. Krishna says it in the Gita too, when he says, Raso Vajra, Raso Piyasya, Param Vartate. He said, you can make a mechanical attempt to control your mind and your senses, but that won't be successful. That won't hold. But when you Param Drishtva, so varjam, so piyasya, param When you get a higher taste. So that's what bhakti is all about. You get this higher taste. Prabhupada used to emphasize all the time, you study the first nine cantos of the Bhagavatam, don't jump to the tenth canto. One of my governors asked him, well, why did you give us the Krishna book in the very beginning then? The Krishna book was his summary of the tenth canto, all of Krishna's leelas. He said, well, I have to give you some taste of what's to come. <laughs> Otherwise, we we'll that's why we get involved. We have some attraction for Krishna. It's inexplicable. Hmm? I mean, within it is explicable. We have a lot of philosophy to support it and so forth, but he's an attractive fellow. Hmm? Irresistible. Hmm? So that's, this, this, that, that should be, in, a, in an appropriate way, that's what is to be cultivated. That's why I say the most important thing, in one sense, of our sadhana is to have our ideal. Hmm? I want to go, I want to be a part of Krishna's Leela in Vrindavan, let's say, in a general way. This is a very powerful idea. It's, a, it's very um, audacious for us to think that. But if we understand that properly, we can understand this is what drives Krishna, this is what makes Krishna. Those Brajbasis in Rasa with Krishna, their love for him is what he's all about. He corresponds with their love. That's what making him tick. So if somebody has some desire to be like them, most people don't desire that. They want things from him. They want to get away from things with his help. They might want to worship him because he should be worshipped, because hmm? he's God, mighty bhakti, but rag bhakti, to be his friend, to be his lover, to be like them. Most people are not interested in that. Hmm? then that's what interests Krishna. So, if we become interested in that by sadhu-sangha, you see, we have, we've gone a long ways. Hmm? If, if, you, if the idea is to get God's attention, you know, how do you do that? That's, that's not so easy. This is, this is the inside track. That's why ragmarg is easy. And what's described as being easy... It's a hard part to it too, but it's, it's hard to get that desire. But if we have good association, it will come. Then that good association will help us foster that, give support for that in the beginning, intellectual, philosophical support, and so forth. Hmm? 
We should have that idea. I want to serve Krishna in Vrindavan. And that's not a selfish idea if we understand what that's all about. Mahaprabhu prayed that Mama Janmani Janmanish Pada, I don't, I don't care if I, if I transcend birth and death. I just want bhakti. This, this is the idea of, 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 a basic idea of this Vrindavan love. So if we understand it properly, yes, it's desirable. It's, it's complete and absolute uh, selflessness. So to know where we are and where we want to go, to have that ideal and then appropriately try to go there, prayerfully holding that above our heads and so forth, that will uh, attract some, some grace and some taste, and that will drive us on. Any question? What's the time? Eight? Okay. So tomorrow we have a normal program, but we'll have a, some feasts at midday for the holiday, American holiday, and um, maybe Canadian too, I'm not sure. Um, is it? Canadian also. And um, I'll speak in the evening about Thanksgiving idea from Bhagavad Gita. And... Um, And that'll be so. I'll be speaking from the second, third, third chapter of the Gita. We go to a very basic idea. Some of the ideas have been touched on here, and we talk rather about the value of them rather than the, the, the lack of value, which is the way they've been talked about here. <laughs> we can go on both sides. Krantaras Srimad Bhagavatam Gita, Gaudpremanandey.